Hello, it's the A to Z podcast. I am Zach Jackson. He is Andre Knott. We are at Akron Jackson at Dre Knott on most of your favorite social media platforms. Facebook.com slash A to Z podcast. A to Z podcast.com. Shouts as always to scene to the Honeymoon Grill to American Fireworks. Always open at AmericanFireworks.com. But thinking about summer thoughts here in this miserable storm, make your plans for your family get-togethers, graduation parties, all sorts of fun stuff, and hopefully we'll have fun stuff to do again, AmericanFireworks.com. If you're new here, welcome. We get excited. We venture into mature slash immature subjects and say four-letter words from time to time. So if that's not for you, if you're in a work environment or if there are kids around, um, either put on your earbuds or come back and listen to A to Z at another time. Good morning, Andre. Good afternoon, Zach. I say don't leave. Turn this up. Tell your kids this is the new class. It's called President's Day, where you learn the words that real Americans say. <laughs> It'll be all right. The kids will be okay. Happy uh, Valentine's Day weekend to all. Um, hope everybody uh, was able to take care of their wives, their girlfriends, if they have both, both, and their side women. Uh, a lot of candy on sale. I know the bad weather's coming, but no matter where you live, there's a lot of so, a lot of candy you can get for 50% off. That's the fat boy part of this podcast where I help you um, get all those Reese's Cups for half price with all the hearts and all that other good stuff. Uh, works for me, works for you. I, I, you can do it on Easter, too. It's coming up on April 4th. Um, I just want to help the people out stay fat as best they can. Uh, as I'm doing something that I've never before done in our how many ever years of podcasting, I am Telling on my stationary bike. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> times two. I am on my stationary bike right now in my basement doing this podcast. I'm not going 100 miles an hour. I'm moving my legs. Uh, have I done podcasts from my basement for you guys many a times? Yes, but usually it's dark outside and I got a bunch of beers in front of me and I'm down here because my wife doesn't want to hear me clanging the cans together. But today I'm riding the bike, so we'll see how that goes. You are multitasking. Oh, it's funny you say that about wives and girlfriends. Um, the other night we went to see this band play, um, local place that obviously we haven't in a long time, right? Um, Mitty likes them and they were playing kind of semi-local, so... I said, let's go. And uh, it's not at a place that is in my regular rotation uh, by any means when, when the world's regular. But we, we kind of had a seat over in the corner. Um, you know, everybody was still spread out. And, hell, there was probably only 20 people there. But as I was kind of looking around and refamiliarizing myself with the place, because it was like the third time I've been in a bar in a year, right? Um, right? There was a sign in this particular bar that said, I don't, I'm not sure if this is verbatim or not, but I think it is. It said, be nice to your bartenders. They know your wives and your girlfriends. So I thought that was... <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's yeah. true. Uh, one more thing since, since you brought it up. Um, uh, and this, this is me going totally out of bounds, but I can't help it. I woke up Saturday, maybe, Friday or Saturday to my wife, because I don't really do Facebook, but my wife does. Um, and she knows what I what I like to indulge in and what I don't indulge in when it comes to Facebook. But I saw a post from you that was one of the funniest Zach Jackson moments. No, I got to take a Brian Winhorse word. One of the funniest Zach fucking Jackson moments of my life uh, where you broke down and kind of came out. It was kind of your coming home, your Sports Illustrated article of uh, <laughs> you being in a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> would you like to indulge the company on how that came about <laughs> earned not given right um, <laughs> all right that's funny uh I, I was actually gonna say let's start this podcast um by talking about your favorite subject you um 
I want yeah. you to enlighten me on something. When we All see right. you on TV here, and and I honestly don't know if that's going to be in two weeks or two months, and maybe you don't know either. But I read the headline. I read the first five graphs of the article. I've known this is going on for a right. while, but I, I I truly don't know anything about it. So from what you know, when we see you with the Indians, what what will the name of the channel be? Um, and, and I guess the, <laughs> then the follow-up to that is, will anything really be different, um, you know, that, that we'll Good notice when, when we start watching the Indians, assuming that they still um, Let me go to my email first, because I don't want to get the name wrong, because I got new bosses. Well, I mean, from what we've been told, Zach, the game will look like the game. Like, the game will be the main um, focus, as it should be. But there will be, there will be uh, hints of little things that are different, things that are kind of going forward. Uh, I know the athletic kind of has some of the same ideas going across. Obviously, it's literature and it's not television. Um, Bally's Sports is a – they bought in a year. They bought in a while ago. We've kind of known the name change was coming. I know it's been Fox Sports forever, but we haven't been owned by Fox Sports for now over a year. Um, and so the name change was kind of coming. As far as we've been told, uh, you won't see STO or Sports Time Ohio or Fox Sports um, once the season starts. I don't know if that means in spring training – um, you will see this, but supposedly by April 1st, when you see games, I think we'll be, I think our station will be Bally Sports Great Lakes or Bally Great Lakes, something of that nature. It just rolls off the tongue. Sounds so uh, natural, right? Yeah. Um, between between that, that name change and the team's name change coming forward, I'm probably going to get fired because I'm never going to know where the hell I'm at or what team <laughs> I'm covering. Uh, well, at your age, <laughs> you don't adapt to change really well. I know that. Um, no. No, yeah. no. So the other thing that so the other thing I'll come across though, um, you will see that. And depending, we were told, de- depending, we were told early on that you will see some betting lines, possibly something. You know, like you know, you may see the over under for a game. Uh, I think baseball, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not the biggest better on this podcast, but I know a little bit about it. But I've never understood betting baseball very much. Um, so I'm sure there'll be numbers up there at certain times. Uh, we'll see how it grows and how it goes, but it's just kind of where our society's going. Um, you may see me. Uh, we don't have the dates for sure. I'm thinking mid-March. You may see some baseball games on your television from Arizona, and as of this moment, I may be there. Um, that's, it sounds like I'll be there is what I'll leave it at. Okay. And um, but It sounds like I'll be there. We shall see. Uh, obviously, this year is kind of with baseball is just kind of getting thrown together all at once. So, you know, 70 some hours ago, I may have told you a different story. But as of now, you probably will see me there for a couple games in mid-March is what I would say. Yeah. So so Bally Sports Great Lakes is what is what I had seen. Um, and, you know, I, I get it. Part of the rebrand. It's not the first time. But like really for our adult plus lives it's been fox sports ohio it was different things before that right and they've had different versions of how local or what they carry um i guess this is my question right now or for the last however many years there's been fox sports ohio on which you watch the Cavs and the blue jackets and there's been sports time ohio on which you watch the indians so when it's bally's great lakes is there still going to be two channels or are you eventually yeah. going to be on one channel? I think because of, I mean, you know, it's kind of crazy. Cause we don't think, cause we only think about where we're at. And obviously sure, sure. the whole cable and you know, the whole cable and streaming thing is very odd right now for all of us. Um, and I get it. There are people right now that are already getting ready to tweet 
or send us messages and tell me to screw off because they don't get the games anymore because their company no longer carries it. Screw this company. I'm with, I hear you. Um, Supposedly they're going to find a way to sell the stations. Um, I don't want to say organically, but there's going to be a way supposedly from what we've been told that if you want Indians baseball, Reds baseball, uh, Blue Jackets hockey, Cavaliers, that there's going to be a way for you to make it a part of your package with streaming is what we've been told. Um, To answer your question, no, I think there's still going to be two stations because of what you just said, what you just asked. They, they still have, in our region, we still have the crew, the Blue Jackets, the Indians, obviously, the Cavs, um, the Reds are part of our, of a part of our building as well. So the two stations won't go away. And I think the Fox Sports Go, um, obviously online way of watching will stay, but they're going to change those to Bally's pretty soon too. And I think there's going to be content on Bally's.com. Um, but if I'm wrong, I say my apologies. I've just read in different places. These are some of the ideas they have. So um, I know they had to get rid of a station. I want to say in the Carolina, Tennessee, Florida type area, but all of ours will still be here. So you'll have two platforms, TV station wide, still just with different names. Okay. Um, yeah, and, and I know, like, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I know there's uncertainty with with how everything is going to work, and like. When we last did the podcast, we still wasn't sure baseball was even going to start on time, right? But, like, I saw today the pitchers and catchers report in a week or something or two weeks, right? And that's right. that's still going to go whether and, – and the rest is for details, correct? Correct. As of now, yeah. I texted Jason Kipnis a couple hours ago. He's in Florida getting ready to start with the Atlanta Braves. Baseball is going to start this week, yes. Oh, you sh- you, you went too far there. You should have said – you could have played a game. Guess who Jason Kipnis is, what team he's on right now. Ah, <laughs> my bad. It really was name dropping, but Kip, I don't even see as a name drop. He's just – like, you can try – like, I don't know. You know, like certain athletes, like, are no longer athletes to us. They're just guys that we bust balls with. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Where you don't think – and that was with Kip. He just signed a contract with the, with the Braves. And I didn't text him like, and that's the weird thing in my and where I'm at in my career. I didn't text him to like tweet it out because I didn't tweet it out. I texted him just like as a, as, a, as a guy, like, "Hey man, congrats! Glad you're still willing to pay you. Keep fooling them." <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, I'm happy for you. Fool, I'm like, fool them until they until they rip to realize you're done. And he like laughed. He goes, "I'm with you." So no, I should have done that, but I'm not smart enough to think that part of. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So. You know, it was the Super Bowl a week plus ago, and so it was Valentine's Day. It was Daytona, which is always, you know, it it kind of in a normal year signifies that we're turning the corner, right? Like the NCAA tournament is next. Um, And I'm not a Daytona guy. I'm not a NASCAR guy. If you've listened, you'd know that. I've participated (laughs) in in a Daytona party or six in my time, and I watch it. I, I will tell you this, speaking of ballets and of betting and, all that and later we'll talk about why it's not legal in Ohio and and how there's going to be some head scratching with <laughs> that. anyway um Springer yeah. our, our buddy the CFO texted me yesterday <laughs> and he says give me some NASCAR I'm a sicko I don't, I don't need it or I, I don't know anything about it give me some NASCAR picks and I said well I'm a sicko I don't know anything about it but I have studied up so I said Denny Hamlin he owns the track I said Joey Logano you know, based on some articles I've read and podcasts I've listened to. And yes, I did listen to NASCAR podcasts. Um, you know, he's a guy. And I said, and take this guy, Michael McDowell, top 10. And You must have read The Athletic. <laughs> top 10 was like plus 320. 
which for mm-hmm. ten bucks was thirty two, and that was a nice win for me. Do you think I played Michael McDowell at eighty to one to win? No, but the CFO did, oh. and I am a certified NASCAR genius. Thank you. Uh, he better give you ten percent. You guys had that one of your on the on the, and it plays into what I was going to ask you. The Athletic had a guy that put McCormick as a sleeper to take um, because of the, of the top because he's great in those type of tracks, and because like four of his six top ten finishes before last night. We're all in Daytona 500. The other thing is he's based out of Glendale, Arizona, um, right where spring training is at in Arizona. And it's kind of funny to me. That's where a NASCAR team is located and built. Um, I will say this. This is 20 years. I'm a little bit more, if you've listened to this podcast, I'm a little bit more of a NASCAR racing fan than Zach. Um, Zach had one of the best tweet texts to me that I've gotten from him in about a year. Um, <laughs> yesterday, I got a drunken text from him that the old Zach Jackson was back. <laughs> to say the least, it made my day. Uh, I'll, I'll leave it alone what he said to me. That's just something for him and I. But um, <laughs> I'll say this. This is 20 years since Dale Sr. died at the Daytona 500. And 500 worked out fine for me. It rained all day. I got to watch the last 150 50 to 60 laps uh, at night. Um, I think the Daytona 500, I know there's all this history, and I know there's, this is going to be like Ohio State, Michigan. Um, if I'm the Daytona 500, I start starting that sucker at 6 o'clock because uh, it looked great at night last night for me. But I'll say this, and this is, I'm saying this, and I, and I, love, I love racing. I'm, I'm not, like, uh, ra- I'm, I'm not going to say I'm love, love, but I, I enjoy it. Um, it's 20 years after Dale Sr. died, and I know a lot of precautions and a lot of the practices – are better and keeps the, the drivers safer than they've ever been before. But if they want to keep driving 200 miles an hour and letting these cars get the way they get behind each other, letting all the Fords get behind each other, letting all the Toyotas get behind each other, and then in that last lap having what we had last night, we're going to be doing a memorial on somebody else sooner or later. they got to find a different way to do this. Was it exciting? Sure. Um, does it make the, the fan like and, – and, and shit, Zach probably didn't even see the end. He's probably asleep already. Oh, long asleep. Because it was after long midnight. Long asleep, yes. Yeah, because – when I saw your text, I knew you were going to be sleeping before it got dark. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it's an exciting finish. It was exciting. But NASCAR, and, and like I said, most people don't even see it. They see it on a clip this morning. Um, we weren't excited. Like, I didn't even tweet anything. And, th- and like, what other sport does this? I didn't even tweet anything at the, at the last lap of the Daytona 500 last night because I didn't want to look back and look like, like a jackass for saying something um, one way or the other because I didn't know if somebody died, if somebody, you know, got hurt really bad. Um, we didn't know who won uh, at the time. It, it looks great. It looks like something out of a movie uh, with all the fire and all these cars all over the place. And damn, I'm getting old because I can't believe I'm saying this. But I, I just can't see how that's your Super Bowl of racing. And damn near every car that mattered ended up in flames. Like, I, it looked like something out of a crazy movie that you would, at the end and you would all high five. It didn't look like real people were in those cars. Um, I just don't know how long they can continue on doing it the way they're doing it, Zach, without a huge catastrophe. Yeah, um, you know, I I was watching the race, but I probably went to bed with 60 laps or so left. Um, I can tell you before I was out of bed this morning, I was on Twitter, you know, reading about it and was able to see that. And it was a holy shit, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, to to see the humongous flame, I guess, is the best way or flames, uh, the best way to say it. Yeah, I mean, that's the risk they run, right? Um, it's, I'll put it this way. I, I've learned a lot about the sport. And I learned it last year during the pandemic um, from watching the iRacing 
and you know, <laughs> there was one too many microphones for Kyle Larson, but a couple of the guys <laughs> they had mic'd up from time to time and who were explaining things and, you know, doing it digitally that way to show what they do. Um, you know, knowing Denny Hamlin at Daytona sits back for the first X amount of laps, right. And lets the craziness happen in front of him. Right. You know, right. um, something I remember seeing last year and saying, what is he doing? Does he just not have a car today? And he won the race and weird that professionals would know more than podcasters. Um, but I've, you know, I still don't know a ton about it. Um, it's just not something I was ever, you know, really into. I think I've said before I had the Bill Elliott hat in the early nineties cause he was red and black number 11. And I was number 11 on the Manchester seventh grade basketball team. You were also, <laughs> like, also four eleven. Right. Yeah. And I was four eleven too. Yeah. You fucking prick. Um, and, and like now if you lined up 10 people, I wouldn't know which one Bill Elliott was. Right. But I, I had the hat and, and I, like I said, I followed there's a Chase, there's a Chase um, Elliott. There's a Chase Elliott that races now at least. That's his dad. Is that his son? I think so. Okay. Sabo somewhere on the side of a road, choking us both out with a voodoo doll. Oh. Yeah, but, but you see, like, <laughs> you know, to, well, hang on one second to tie this back in here. Like, you know, why? I, I know NASCAR got really big, right? We're talking 15, 18 years ago now, and it's kind of tapered off, I guess, in terms of TV, TV ratings. I don't know about the business itself. I won't claim to know the first thing. But like, why am I watching it? Other because especially I wasn't at a, a Daytona 500 party yesterday, right? Um, Right. You know, of the ones I know about, they were either not going on or happening in a much reduced fashion due to the pandemic. But what's the tie? Well, you can have top five, top 10, top 20 without leaving your living room, depending on where you live. On DraftKings, I go. had teams, right? Like, mm-hmm. I didn't put in any thought to it. But, like, you know, I, I don't know any science to it, but I do know how they score DraftKings on NASCAR. I do know <laughs> Daytona 500 ends in craziness, so sometimes the Michael McDowells of the world win, right? Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to read you this from a Slack message from a coworker who oh, um, is involved with the athletic uh, betting page. And over on Friday night, he had said, if you have any college basketball insights, pass it my way. So on Saturday at 9.33 a.m., I said, first play today, Kentucky-Auburn over 146. At 9.53 a.m., he writes back, I'm in. I'm going to parlay it with one of these NASCAR picks to spice up the odds. 9.54, me. I'm listening to a NASCAR podcast now. Might as well throw myself off the bridge. (laughs) 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 Then Michael McDowell came home a winner. (laughs) Well, let me ask you this, though. Um, Because I think you're on to something that I think is partial to who we are and where we're at in sports. Do you see the sporting world changing a little bit? I think it already has when you read Twitter and you read social media. But as the valleys of Great Lakes continue, as the athletic brings betting into more of the focus, as betting becomes legal um, throughout most of the country, hello, Ohio, hurry up. Um, and, and, and there's already this, there's already this, and we know it, we have friends that are degenerates. Do you feel like watching of sports and the way that the sports are taken in will be – a little bit different or more different as we go forward is you'll have more people that are into just the betting of it rather than the actual sport itself. Because, you know, cause you just kind of said yourself, like it is more interesting. Like I don't, you don't have a big draw to NASCAR, but after you have a couple teams, you know, it, it seems a little bit, you pay a little bit more attention. It's a little bit like I, I have a neighbor who he's has his first year fantasy basketball team 
And he asked me about it, and I was like, dude, I don't, I did it one year. It's too much. It's always, you know, players in and out. But if you got the time for it and you got the patience for it, go for it. He loves it. It's making him pay attention to basketball teams and players he would never pay attention to. Um, is that kind of where sports and teams are going right now and selling their product? Um, and maybe this – I don't think so. Um, but baseball obviously is one of those sports that needs to kind of look in the mirror and say, okay, how do we gain more attention? How do we gain more, you know, eyes to our to the prize, to our game? Is betting going to be that thing? Because betting has always been there. But it's been like the uncle that nobody, like, introduces to anybody because you're a little embarrassed because of how much he smokes, drinks, and, and, and cusses. Yeah, um, it is. Like, the leagues have gone, and, and of course it's because they can make money off of it, right? But the leagues have gone from condemning it to embracing it. You know, yeah. uh, the Washington football team that doesn't have a name has an official betting partner. It became legal in Virginia just, like, not even two months ago. And the next day after it passed, they had a deal in place, right? Um, right. right. It is. It is, Dre. It's, and you sat in some of the same training camp seminars I did. Right when we heard from the NFL officials who would say they cannot enter a casino, right, without permission from their bosses, they get routinely their finances checked up and down. If they move, um, even if they just bought a house in the same neighborhood, they know they're going to get vetted three times over, making sure they're not taking money or suddenly came into money or something like that, right? Um, and integrity of the game is big, but like when I was in London three years ago. There were more betting parlors on the street than convenience stores. They were just like here, where when you leave your house, there's the Circle K, and there's the get-go, and on the other side of the highway, there's that other gas station. So you got three options within a mile and a half to get your coffee or get your gas. Well, in London forever, you've had three options to get the best line on the Everton game. You know? Um now here it's mobile betting and that's the thing you never leave like i haven't been to vegas in five or maybe even more years but i guess you don't even have to go to the counter now when you're there you just you download the apps and you fill your account and so from wherever you are as long as you're in nevada state lines you just bet that one of the scariest right one of the scariest things i ever did a couple of years ago um i went i went to vegas during the first day of, you remember this well and it, there's tv to prove it i couldn't talk on tv i lost my voice i went there during the, the uh, ncaa tournament and when we walked in i had no idea they told me they were like hey you can uh, you can you know you can download our our app put this, put it on app on your phone you're staying here in the hotel you can do it right from your room i woke up my phone not working but i was up three thousand dollars it was one of the it was, it was one of the most <laughs> surreal things i i remember the last bet i made on that friday night i bet the um I bet Portland to beat the Cavs, and this is LeBron Cavs. And I remember whoever, because I hit on like I hit on like I hit on a couple upsets. It doesn't matter because I ended up losing the money anyway. But I remember it towards the end of the night, and I had I'd been drinking since like three, so I, it was it was very blurry eyed. And I was like, Cavs never went in Portland, and whoever was like by me was like, dude, the, you know they're like LeBron's going to kill them. I didn't watch three baskets go in or out, but I woke up and the next day I, I woke up and looked at my phone and was like, holy shit, I hit on that game. And didn't even watch it. <laughs> that was the rest. That was the end of my luck. Well, you know, I would just, you know, not knowing anything about the government other than we're always late to the party here in Ohio. I would just say two things. One, you know, you eventually want to do it right to the point that you are maximizing your return, right? And and you're you're making money. You're ta- you're getting the taxes. You get your you know, it's beneficial for whoever it's going to benefit your schools, your roads, whatever. And then the second thing is the the concern 
over problem gambling, right? And people and knowing that it's great and it's perfectly fine for people to put twenty bucks on some Daytona driver to finish in the top ten because that spices up their Sunday afternoon in the middle of February. But you don't right. want people chasing minor league college basketball and losing their ass, right? Which can happen. It's, you know, so that that's the thing. And then, you know, then that's the old argument. Does government have the moral obligation to save people from themselves? You know, I, I'm not trying to go one bit political on anything uh, here, guys. I don't smoke weed. Lead should be, weed should be legal. I've been around sports betting my whole life. It should be legal. Like, you yeah. know, like it just, it just, whatever. Um, there's a right way to do it. I, I think I talked about it. When I drove to Nashville in December, you get 30 miles from the Tennessee line, and every billboard is for DraftKings Sportsbook, for MGM, yep. Bet Online. You know, every sports talk station in Nashville, Knoxville, Louisville, every commercial is get on board, right? Um, Kentucky right now is the only state that borders Ohio that does not have legal online sports wagering. You go one mile over the wow. border, you go from Hubbard, Ohio to Sharon, PA. And right there, you're legal. You come one mile back, and you're not legal. Seems really dumb. Seems like a lot of money going to Pennsylvania. You go down Route 11, 30 miles. You go to under Route 30, over the bridge, West Virginia, legal. Back over the bridge to beautiful East Liverpool, Ohio, not legal. Seems like we're missing something, right? <laughs> like um, Absolutely. You know, so... Again, I, I don't know, and I know there was a bill that had been out there. I don't know what the status was going to be, but it was kind of aimed towards the end of 2020. Then the world got flipped on side its head, so I don't know if that will be resumed, if it will be tweaked. But, you know, Michigan just went mobile a couple of months ago, right before Virginia. Um, Indiana has been mobile for at least a year because it was a year ago I was there for the combine, the last, you know, bit of normalcy in an NFL writer's life. Um you know, in the last 12 months. So we'll see. But, you know, what is Bally is going to have? 13 regional networks, right? And most of them are going to be yeah. in legal betting states. I mean, I'll say this, speaking of NASCAR, I watch more golf now than I ever have before. Because, frankly, instead of being at open locker room sessions or being on the road for work, I'm working from home. So they have embraced right. it. And when the feed comes on on Thursday afternoon or Thursday morning, you know, welcome to such and such country club. The first thing they're showing you in those groups is not the guy's putting stats. It's the betting odds for that day. Log on right now to our official partner, the PGA's official gambling partner. And before this group tees off, bet on today's three ball. And it's comical because some of the announcers don't even understand. But it's like, right. it's kind of like sports writers in the internet. Either fucking get used to social media or go work somewhere else. How it was 15 years ago, right? Um, so it, it's here to stay. It's going to be that way. Um, and I guess we could segue by saying, you know, just just bet against Cavs every night. <laughs> <laughs> I got two. I've told y'all one of them. One of them is take the nets and take take the over with the nets. And uh, yeah, the Cavaliers thing is I think very interesting, and I think this is fun. And this is kind of why we started this podcast because we don't have a um, we don't have a program director telling us what to talk about and how we can talk about it or not to talk about. Um, so we'll do it this way. The Cavs are, in my estimation, and I don't know even how to know how Zach's going to react to this, 
the Cavs are, in my estimation, exactly where they plan to be. Look at their roster. Why they keep paying Kevin Love and keep giving him contract extensions, way beyond me. That's a whole different story, different podcast. I love the enthusiasm and excitement that we all, I had, we all had, minus the, even the Nets games. Okay, they beat the Nets back-to-back, and we've come to find out the Nets have had to look in the mirror and realize, okay, we can score 120, but if we don't try to stop passes and, and switch, we're going to lose to anybody and everybody because they've lost to other bad teams as well. Um, and for us, it was almost like, you know, they beat this team with all these stars twice in a row, and they beat a couple – they played well against a couple other teams. Um, you know, the parade started because, obviously, in every city, you get a couple big wins nowadays, um, and you see your young players starting to play, you know, like how the, the organization told you. It's hard to hold your water, right? It's hard to – like, for, for most – especially with social media and things like that, it was a good run by the Cavaliers. But when you look, when you look at, and I remember Zach being one of the people that kind of, and if I'm wrong, you tell me I was, I'm wrong. But I remember as they were winning a couple games, and I was tweeting, hey, they're fun to watch. They play hard. Um, you enjoyed it. You didn't watch a lot, but you kind of were like, you kind of text, what is Kobe doing? <laughs> like, yeah. This doesn't help the process. I hate the lose process. I hate the process of lose until you get a ton of draft picks real high. And you know, I, I don't like it. It's where we're at. Um, you can talk about it with the baseball franchise, with the football franchise. I've complained about teams going out of their way to lose. I get it, though, with the Cavs. You're not going to get a free agent that comes here. And really, Zach, they sit in a situation now. Like, I'll be honest. This is Monday afternoon. I'm going to watch a little bit of – I mean, this is Golden State and the Cavs. Five years ago, I could damn near sell out a bar to watch this game at 10 o'clock tonight. Um, I'll maybe watch – five minutes or so if it's close i'll watch more i don't who knows what i'll watch but they played last night against the clippers clippers didn't play their best two players and i honestly watched the daytona 500 and didn't really care what happened in the Cavs game because i kind of had an idea what was going to happen um now in saying all of that andre drummond has the he has the best life ever right now and really this is what we knew was going to happen a year ago when they traded for him right um they just bought a contract they they cared about the asset not the player and, and, I, and I want to say this the nicest way possible, and I know NBA people see this better than I do. He has the most empty, full stat sheet that I've ever watched in my whole life. Yes, I, I know you can brag about him and say he's like a double-double machine, and I'll say, okay. And I will look at you, Zach, and say, it's the most empty, most zip zero feeling I've ever seen in a guy getting 20 and 12 or 20 and 15 that I've ever seen. And I don't know how that's possible but it's possible, but I hope they get something for him because they're just spending Dan Gilbert's money to get draft picks. Now that did help them get Kyrie Irving and that did help them get LeBron back here. And that did help them get a championship. Uh, but they still got a far way to go up that, that mountain uh, with the roster that they have currently. And I just, and I'll say this, I like Sexton a lot. I'm still, I'm still, I don't know, iffy on Garland. I just don't know where he fits, how it fits, especially when you already have one smaller guard. Um, I don't, it's so, here's the thing I'll say about them without being me. They are both two very talented kids with the ball in their hand. Kid being a, a key word. I don't, it is so hard for them to score every basket that they score because they usually are yeah. two of the smallest guys on the court. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to say, it to, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying they're not talented because they are. But when you're one of the smallest guys on the court every single night, every basket is a little bit harder to make because you're facing taller faster guys every single night yeah i mean two quick thoughts one on the drummond thing and just the whole predicament they're in 
when you're this bad, and frankly, losing is the goal, as much as everyone hates it, right? And it makes it uncomfortable and it makes it awful. You have to take some of these chances on guys. And many of the times you're going to find out there's a reason nobody else wanted him. There's a reason his previous team was giving away. There's a reason you can't, couldn't take and spin that asset into something, right? Oh, and that's not right. any personal thing on Andre Drummond, who I do not know, uh, who frankly I've enjoyed playing, um, watching play since he was at UConn because he was a unique, big monster throwback post player at a time when there aren't many of those, right? Right. And um, could have 22 and 22 in a college game, could have 22 and 22 in an NBA game, could miss a free throw by eight feet, um, could flat out dominate for you, and then could flat out no show, right? Um, you know, when you're the Cavs and you know that A and even B list free agents are not going to be there for you and you're in a total rebuild, you're going to have to take some of those chances. And frankly, if two of 10 work, then those two work, right? What's more frustrating than that in the losing and, you know, that the three weeks ago that they were beating the Nets and playing hard and that seemed to matter, now the reality's come, is that it does seem like having the two small guards, and we don't say the M word anymore on this podcast, <laughs> probably prevented them from taking Tyrese Halliburton in the draft, right? And it's certainly put them in a spot where, yes, you want to be different. You want to, to do you know, to try some things and eventually have an identity that not everybody else has because that's how you're going to get to where you want to go. But, like, it's not a game for small guards. The NBA in 2020, the LeBron fucking James is a point guard, right? <laughs> like, right, it's right. – that's what it is. So, um, and then, you know, you're making decisions. Colin Sexton is a kid still. Darius Garland did not play, have any college career, and he had, what, half a rookie season? You know, um, right. right. It's two weeks this year, right? Isaac Okora, one college season, 19 years old. You know, like it's hard. It's hard um, to get any full evaluation, to think that they can thrive in a grown man's league. You know, all, all of the above, right, Dre? So, um, yeah, I, I will just say <laughs> this. Enjoying listening and then watching those Nets games and then, you know, as they've played notable opponents, um, I did. Uh, I did, but lately I've turned it on multiple times in the second corner. They're down 19, and they don't appear to be giving much effort. In get- or maybe not capable. I, I, I hate to say that. Maybe not capable of getting back in. So why am I going to watch? <laughs> you know? Right. And, like, as the losses started to mount, we didn't talk about it in the last podcast, which is fine. Um, my thought was, well, losing still the goal. It's just really <laughs> awkward. Like, Jared Allen is – is a unique player and a really gifted player. You know, Prince was like a first it. rounder only five years ago. Like, right. I don't think they're in. I like Allen. I don't think they're in terrible shape compared to where they were a couple of years ago. I just wonder, you know, where, where and when you could really make up any well, ground without get, absolutely yeah. hitting the lottery. Well, they, they got to hit. I mean, let's be, be honest. Um, I like Allen. I like Allen so much more than I like Drummond for what he brings to the table. Um, and maybe after you give him a huge contract, he, he – dr- because the Drummond thing, you, you, put, you pointed out Drummond so well. Um, at UConn, he, you know, he put – like he's always been this guy, and it's not his fault. And I almost feel like the game of basketball has hurt Andre Drummond more than Andre Drummond's hurt Andre Drummond. I feel like he's come up in this stage where we no longer 
um, teach a seven footer to be a seven footer and, and to and to put his force upon people, right? Like most six eleven seven foot guys are now shooting three pointers, and and I and I don't want to be the old guy, you know, I don't want to be the old guy at the club, but he needed at some point in his development, he needed someone to teach him. He he's he's one of the first seven footers I've ever seen that has no moves on the block. Like Zach is scary. Like no one has ever like taught him. You're the biggest guy out here in the court. Um, put your come down here on this block. Put up your right hand. Drop your ass a little bit. Drop your knees a little bit. And you should be able to score eight times out of ten when you put somebody on your back in this situation. You never see that from him. And it's never been asked of him, whether it be in Detroit, whether it be at, in you, you, at the University of Connecticut, and now here in Cleveland. And there are times now when they do dump it down to him, you just cringe because it's like he doesn't – he's just an athlete down there. He's not a seven-footer. And then he, you know, sometimes he dribbles from the top of the key, and it's just – we all cringe. I just feel like he's never been – and I could be wrong. I feel, though, he is, he's hurt by the times that he's in. Where Allen, probably because he wasn't that skilled coming up and he was just tall and, and kind of just like a shot blocker, he at least knows how to pick and roll. Like he, know, like he doesn't ask for the ball if it's not a pick and roll. If it's not to him, he, he runs to the glass to, to, to get the rebound. And really, with the way the NBA runs now, that is your best bet as a big man. Um, so it works for him. And, and he's, he's almost an energy guy which is weird to say about a seven-footer, but it, that's what he is. You can grow with that, especially if you have a small guard. But to me, they've got to get a star at the three or the four. They've got to move Garland and get a two-guard uh, and make a Coro. And, and, and you, need, you need a stud at the two or three that can put the ball in the basket, point blank. Um, that's the only way they can make it out of the, 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 the middle ground that they're in, in my, in my opinion right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, you know, you're going to have to take some risks, right? And I talked about, like, the hitting on the two of the ten thing and swinging. But, like, when you got these young players and you've had different circumstances where you don't know, like, eventually you, you have to make a decision and it might be too early, right? But, like, eventually they're going to have to say our roster construction is not going to win. Like, we're not going to win with these two small guards. One of them has to go. What's their value? I don't know. I don't have any idea. Right. Right? Like, SETI has been a year away from being a year away for five years now <laughs> you know he has a 20 point game he makes shots when he's open is he anything more than an eighth man or is he even that on a team that's right. a contender i don't know it's so funny you asked that so funny because i saw him hit a basket last night and i thought to myself and this isn't being mean but if you're like if you're a fan you get what i'm getting ready to say zach you just hit on it perfectly i was like what was what was what would jenny be on another team like, you know what I mean? Like, we always, we always tell people, and, and, and I hope players get this in all sports, make the most of, but with the team that drafts you. Because the next team you go to will not carry or care about where you were drafted or how much money they paid you. They're going to make you just fit into a spot. And if you don't work in that spot, you got to go. Right? Where Jetty has gotten opportunities off the bench, he's gotten opportunities to start. And I think we all just kind of see him as uh, Sasha Pavlik of this time period. And I like you know a flashing two and a half. Important you know, rule: you can only compare white players to other white players. So good, good job. Well, they, they're both <laughs> they're both foreign, and I went up, I went above and beyond. They're both foreign as yes. well. Not only yes. white, but foreign. <laughs> um, you get what I'm saying? Like, I know on another exactly team, what you're he's saying. Probably a tenth or he's like a tenth or eleventh guy, and that's not a mean thing. But it just hasn't developed to the point where you know what the hell you're getting from him. Where some nights you'll get 15, and then the next three nights you're going to get 
two, six, and nine. <laughs> yeah, like, and the other thing with the NBA that I've been wanting to bring up, Dre, why would they force an all-star game? Uh, not reading the room at all. Not reading the room at all. Like, if anything, announce like a revamped all-star break and have like a revamped schedule and have a week where, you know, there's only five games and four nights and they're all marquee games and stagger everybody's yeah. time off off of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like something. Um, nobody's going to care. And, and when there's no festivities and it just feels like you had already said we're not going to do it and, you know, there's travel is such a concern and everything is such a concern and the testing just wears on people mentally you know, the walking on eggshells wears on everybody mentally. You're going to say we're going to take all our best players to Atlanta for what reason? It's it just not a little bit extra, just really extra, and really no feel on making that call. No, it's not. And, and I think, you know what, though? It's a perfect example of where we're at in our world. All these companies, we want normal, right? When I did my last – when we did our last baseball game for Sports Time Ohio – I can tell you, as we walked out, we were all like, gosh, thank God we got through this. Can't wait to do this next year. We can get back to normal. Yeah. You know, like, and, and it's not normal yet. And I think for these companies, and I'm speaking of the NBA, um, and look, there's a little, look, the NFL, out of the three major leagues, which one feels the best about itself right now? NFL. The NFL, because it's, they, they got through their season, they got through their championship, right? Yeah. Um, baseball felt that way three months ago. NBA felt that way at the end of the bubble. And now, you know, it's like, okay, you've seen NFL get through their season, get through their playoffs, crown a champion, so on and so forth. I think for basketball, that's a big weekend. And I'll give the NBA credit. For the most part, Silver has done a – I mean, when you consider all the hurdles that have had to be overcome over the last year for, for NBA, he's done pretty well. But here's the conundrum they're running into, just like every other major corporation across America. The bottom line, Zach – the bottom line is what it is, and we still cannot, you know, look, it's a TV deal. I'm sure, I'm sure, and I don't know this for certain. So if I'm wrong and somebody that knows more than me, call me, text me, whatever, tap me on the hand and tell me I'm wrong. Well, I'm sure TNT is kind of like, hey, um, these five days off are cool and everything, but we got sponsors on our ass yeah. that, that want their money back and we don't give them something. Um, and, and, like whenever there's a decision made that makes us scratch our head, Zach and I have always known this. We always go to this. Go to the money. Bottom, go to the bottom line. And it, it's not the players aren't happy about it. And very rarely does anything come out of the NBA and come out and, and LeBron and like and you blame it on LeBron. But very rarely do you see LeBron. Um, Giannis, I think, came out right after. He was like, "Whatever LeBron says, I'm with. I don't get it." This is obviously one of those situations where they're trying to keep everybody happy, Zach. But it's pretty obvious. Um, you can force an all-star game, but you can't force these guys to play in an all. You can't force an all-star game. And from the TV marketing sense of things, I, I hate to say it because we've kind of seen it, and i got to be careful how I say this, to the TV markets and to the TV companies at top, they're just like, we don't care if announcers are there or not or if all the players are there or not. If we can just brand this is an all-star game, this is, you know, this is all-star weekend, and we can sell that to the people we owe money to or the people that we get the most money from, we'll take it, no matter what, how good or bad the product is. Unfortunately, that's kind of what the consumer has been hand, you know, forced over the last nine months, if you ask yeah. me, 
And unfortunately, that's what's coming to this, and it's a bad, bad move. It just seems like it was a built-in to escape that, and you could, whoever has the All-Star game, I think it's TNT, right? Like, you could just yeah. push that back an extra year. You could give them something. It, yeah. Anyway, Jerry, we're almost at 45 minutes. Um, let's talk about J.J. Watt and the Browns. I know okay. we just kind of swapped ideas for 30 seconds before we came on here. Um, you know, it was reported – that they were one of the first teams to call on the first day, which makes a lot of sense, right? Fixing the defense, real contender. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a base defense, they would they would have a spot for him. They, they He has played mostly left defensive end, right? Um, and that's where Olivier Vernon's spot has been vacated. So, you know, you could get him and then you could draft a young guy and J.J. could tutor him and, and J.J. could play inside on pass downs. Um He's going to be 32 years old. It's going to be year 11. He's missed some significant time, you know, the torn pectoral and a couple of other things. Um, to me, it's obvious that the Browns, he, J.J. Watt could help the Browns. He's still been a good player. He's, he hasn't been 16 and a half sack guy, um, which is, you know, just outlandish to start with. Uh, right. He did it multiple times, right? But he's been a good player by every metric and, you know, comes in with an impeccable reputation as a person. And obviously he's going to, you know, he's only going to play another year or two. He's going to want to play high stakes games. The Steelers, where his brothers play, it's just not realistic. They have no money whatsoever. Um, Maybe J.J. will play for the minimum, but I don't think so. So to me, it's just what are the Browns really willing to pay him? Um, The Browns are in a healthy cap spot, guys. However, they have things that they've never had before. They've never had a quarterback get to a fourth year and starts making real money, right? They've, yeah. You know, when they extended Miles Garrett last year, they, they just have not done done that. And so his price is up and Denzel's price is up, you know, even before they probably extend Denzel. Um, Nick Chubb, I believe I've been saying I believe they'll they'll extend him. <laughs> um, you know, last year they went and got the Conklin and the Hooper and, and those guys were really good players. Um, they carry big salaries, you know, so it's they don't have just total freewheeling money. They have plenty of money. I just, there would have to be a little bit of creative accounting involved if you wanted to get JJ Watt and then still get that 26, 27 year old big ticket free agent four weeks from now. So, um, well, go ahead. No, well, I, I, you're dead on. Um, but I'll say this. First of all, I love saying this because I, it ain't our money and the Haslam's I've done, you know, and doing research over the everything else. Um, you know, the Haslam's made a decision. The Haslam's, nobody would call the Haslam's cheap, correct? Even the correct. U.S. government, who got about $200 billion. <laughs> um, um, and because of that, the Haslam's have never been cheap. They, they've made their, the, the scoreboard look like University of Tennessee, so we knew we were in, you know, we were in Cleveland, but it, they've felt at home. Um, they've changed the uniforms. They, they, they've given money. They, they've, they've passed money out like every Browns owner does. But they also, in the process of building this, not to bring people down, but I want to take us back down the road that got us here. Um, they also, at times, Mr. Jackson, made some money when they decided winning was not the most important thing. And yes, they and, and like and I'm sorry, and I want to be careful in how I say this because, like I said, I'm not calling them cheap. And they bought, they basically bought the draft pick that brought Chubb here. Um, you know, they took on contracts and took on other things that most organizations wouldn't. But they also, during that period of time where they won one game over two seasons. Um, they didn't exactly, they made money. They made a lot of money. All owners do. 
but they didn't spend a lot at times where they could have, where you could have kept simple guys. Like, like, so what I would say to this, I'll ask you a simple question. And I think I know what most Browns fans are going to say. Um, is the window open for the, for the football team that wears orange helmets in Cleveland? Yes. Is there any guarantee how long that, that window will open? In Nothing the NFL? is guaranteed in the National That's... Football League, sir. Therefore, I say, um, and, I'm, and you guys know us, um, who J.J. Watt is as a player right now is, is up to dispute. I, I, he's not, like, like Zach said, he's not J.J. Watt at, at 26 years old. But also, here's the thing that I, that I envision, and I, and I know the PFF ranking says he was seventh at his position. Um, and I'm careful with that because that's a 3-4 DN that we're talking about. I know Zach's saying it's the same position. And in ways, it, it is. It is. But a 3-4 DN and a 4-3 DN are very different. And Zach even wrote about in his article, you know, at his age, at his, at his, where he's at, he may, he may thrive playing inside, especially on passing downs. If you could put him next to Miles Garrett, could you imagine uh, putting those two next to each other on passing downs and putting a young or a rookie or, a, you know, a putting a big time, you know, putting a rookie defensive end with some speed out on the other side and the damage that you could create um, or just putting, you know, both of them on the outside and letting them go. Um, I think this is something you got to take a serious consideration at looking at and doing um, because of just what I just put out there. Um, it can help. It can help one of your prized guys that you already have, Miles Garrett. It can help him thrive. And if I told you having J.J. Watt could take Miles Garrett from 11, 12 sacks to possibly 20, I don't think you would bat your eye at it. You would do it. If I told you it's going to cost a lot of money and you may not be able to go out and get, um, you know, you may not be able to go out and get outside linebacker that you really covet or a, a corner that you may covet um, that you may have to change the money around and maybe get rid of, um, you know, maybe you have to get rid of an offensive guy that, you know, like a Chris Hubbard or someone like that, um, that, that drive that you need, that's important. I think that you have to look at it because I think it's, it makes a statement to the players in the, in the clubhouse, but it also makes a statement to the rest of the NFL and it gives them something else. As we talk about when games matter, it gives teams something else to think about, something else to deal with. Um, because, and it may, and who knows what it does for J.J. Watt. Now, I'm saying all of that. If you don't get them, you still, you can thrive this offseason. I just think that there's, it's just like we talk about with gambling. Um, there's risk and rewards in any move you make. I just don't see the risk too high uh, with the J.J. Watt because of the individual that he is, because of the performances he's put up in the past. And because of what you already have on that defense and on that defensive line. Um, and it also makes the young guys, the young linebackers. We talked about in the last podcast, you know, the, the, the importance of a guy like Phillips. And Mac Wilson's still here. He still ain't tackling anybody, but he's here tweeting. Um, <laughs> you, you put another, you put another, you put another bona fide pro up front who we saw walk off the field with Deshaun Watson this year, put his arm around him and apologize and said, I'm sorry that this team just wasted one of your years of your career. Um, that's the type of focus you want, right? You want a J.J. Watt who can put his arm around Mac Wilson and say, you better wrap up. That can put his arm around, you know, around Baker Mayfield and say, hey, man, don't worry about what they're tweeting. We have to win now. Um, I think bringing in a little maturity into the room doesn't hurt if it's the right maturity. Com and I think completely anybody – it, Com completely agree so, with that. So I would go for it. Yeah. Um, and, and that is a part of the case, no doubt. And there are eight ways they can make the money work and still get other guys. I just, my one holdup is 
I view Watt as a bonus piece right now, right? Like, ideally, you'd have J.J. Watt, and he would play 30 snaps a game, right? Because he's going to be 32. It's going to be year 11, right? So in that sense, and you have to, you know, go one of the eight routes to create um, the money, I like that. They've arrived at the spot where every decision they they make, Dre, has to come with this is something we've been talking about for years, going back to Cavs Warriors, speaking of the good old days, not tonight's game. We are trying to beat the Ravens, we're trying to beat the Chiefs. Those are the two decisions yep. the Browns have to the two things the Browns have to do and judge and evaluate and ask in every decision they make. So JJ Watt plus as part of a, a revamp defensive front and bringing all those things, which you said, which are absolutely important. And it's a good point, And it's why you want to be in on the bidding. Yes. JJ Watt is my starting left defensive end and one rookie. And then, you know, a safety. I'm not sure because I'm going to be worried about what JJ Watt is really going to have left in the tank when the games that count come around. Right. You know, and, and I don't know. And he's obviously proven he's going to take great care of himself. He's going to show up. He's going to tutor those guys. Father Time is undefeated. So, to me, J.J. Watt is the bonus piece and who brings all of those things that you said, whether he has four sacks or eight sacks or whether Miles has 12 or 14 or 22. I mean, the intrigue, the the reasons you go get J.J. Watt are obvious. It's just the actual fit in terms of how we go. And and this is the other thing that the Browns are encountering here, Dre, that um, they just haven't been to. You know, through all these rebuilds, and everybody wanted to buy into them, locking up the Joel Batonios of the world. And even last year, locking up Kareem Hunt on that team-friendly contract and, you know, settling that uncertainty of everything and, and saying to Kareem, we, we laid out expectations for you and you did it, and now go help us win football games, which is why you're here. You know, that that's all fine and dandy, and that's what you can do in the ideal world. When you're here and you're trying to win, a lot of times you have to fly year by year. And Sheldon Richardson's going to yeah. be 31 and has one year left on his deal, right? Um, Larry Ogunjobi's going to be a free agent. We don't know if he's going to be back. I don't know. Jordan Elliott didn't play a whole lot, didn't show. I mean, the point is, okay, like, let's find out as we go on the defensive line, right? It's super important. Well, Andrew Billings is going to come right. off this, you know, assuming he wants to come back, he's going to be only under contract for one more year. So, right. yes, well, you would love you to be quick. able to have 25-year-old guys and love to be able to know that the guy in the first round you're going to pick it is important, you know, whether he plays 30 snaps this year or 60. But, like, sometimes you just have to let it go and see where it goes. Let me ask you this quickly. We both, we both are fans of Sheldon Richardson and what he's, what he's meant to the Browns, I think. I can say that, right? We both respect what he's done. Would you be willing to say, if the Browns say, hey, we're going to bring J.J. Watt in here, but if we bring him in here, we got to release Sheldon Richardson. How would that sit with you? To me, the way Sheldon Richardson has played the last two years, that's, that's a quick no, an easy no. Okay. Uh, but – but those are the type of decisions they're going to have to make, though, right? Like, because yeah. of what you just said. Because of what you just said, I'm not saying you're wrong, because you're not. But this is the hard part, and we talked about this right at the end of the season. And it's the fun part, but this is how we're going to judge, you know, this is how we're going to judge this front office. You, you, we both know that there's something about chemistry and some of the things that Sheldon Richardson's brought along in the last couple of years that, that's meaningful for this, for this franchise. And this decision really may come down to, as Zach broke down all the others, 
you know, the Billings and, and the guy they drafted. And maybe there's somebody in the draft they can draft this year. And, and you know, and that is a defensive lineman or a terrier defensive lineman. And it may come down to if we're going to put more money into – if we're going to put more big money into our defensive front, we may have to release Sheldon Richardson to bring J.J. Watt in. I don't know the answer, but I trust your answer better. I just think that's the type of conversation they're going to have to have, and it's going to be a tough one. Yeah, I don't think it comes to that. Um, you know, if you want to bring J.J. Watt – and a big money safety and a big edge rusher in maybe. I mean, Sheldon does. Sheldon's going to carry the third highest cap number on the team. But I just right. think that's because you pay for good players and like he's been a good player, and you only have him for one more year. So I think before they would release him, they would you know maybe redo and add a year and, and there you go. move that there money you go. around. Right? Like guys, that's the salary cap is a credit right? card. Right. You but can always do it. get you know the salary cap is a credit card. You can always get more. You're just going to pay for it down the road. Right. 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 Um, right. You know, it, it's interesting. You know, do I envision the Browns being in JJ's top four without knowing the guy? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, based on the fact that he's going to want some money. But do I really think, you know, that they'd be ahead of the Packers or maybe even the Cowboys or that he would? play for six or seven rather than nine or ten i i I don't know i don't know those answers so it's almost always about the money guys and i think it will be here because i mean jj watt grew up going to green bay packers training camp right that's who the number one team's gotta be right yeah like jj watt is a known commodity and a hall of famer and like what do the raiders and the cowboys do dre they make splashes and the browns have arrived at the splash stage Right. But, like, you know, one of those teams might throw an outrageous amount right. at him, and he might say, right. Well, I mean, you might look at the NFC East and say, My God, we can win it. We can get to the right. Super Bowl. Right. Right. <laughs> well, here I'll, here, I'll give it like this sentimental, like, it, it, sentimentally, it would be Green Bay or Pittsburgh because his brothers play on one, mm-hmm. and the other is the team he grew up with. So I could see both of those franchises take, give, taking a little less. Maybe the Browns fit in that because he could play against his brown, brothers twice a year, but eh, I doubt it. Um, then you have the big, like you said, the splash teams, the NFC East, and obviously the Raiders and Cowboys. Um, and then you have, so where do the Browns fit in that is what I would say to you. Because off the top of my head, I say Green Bay's got to be sitting in the front spot. The Steelers got to be sitting in the top two or three. Um, then it kind of, are the Browns third, fourth? I think that's about where they sit right now, in my opinion. Yeah. They sit about third or fourth in this race coming out of the gate. Yeah, they're they're in it. Um, but you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess JJ this week was is going to to talk to talk to some teams. Um, you know, whether he's actually going to do it and he's going to say, I would prefer to go to A and B, you sort it out, or whether they're gonna shop at a certain number and eliminate teams that way, I don't know. But is very outside observers. We're obviously not watching every snap of J.J. Watt last year, right? right. Um, just knowing what the guy's been and where he's played and, and what he would mean. Um, I do agree that, that the Browns can make that kind of move that the Ravens have done for years, bring in that one guy who's, who's at the end who can make your younger guys better. You know, that the Browns can say um, we really – are the kind of team that we think J.J. Watt, even if he only gave us five sacks, will really make our young guys better. I just don't know what you pay for that there. And like I said, if if you say this is our headline edition of the offseason 
when you're in win-now mode and he gets hurt in week five, and you can't think this way, but that's just the reality, right? Then, like, the yeah. defense stinks. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, look, that's the draw for all. I, I get what you're saying, but I'm going to say something to you, young chief, that you got to remember. You can't live, you can't, and you know this, you can't live thinking that way. No. I, I get what you're saying, and it, it goes back to what Phil Savage told us back in 05, 06. The Browns and the Berea have to stop with the woe is me thought process. And as he said, I get why we have it. I get why we're here. But for us to go to step forward, we no longer can think with the woe is us franchise thought process. Now, you're right. If, if day one he blows out an Achilles or blows out a, a tendon and that's all that money wrapped up in it, it sucks. You're screwed. But I can go around every NFL training camp, and there's like five, six dudes. If they go down, your season is done. Yeah. It's just part of. The, uh, I, I mean, I can't great. wait for a training camp with real expectations when everybody starts bitching about the veterans getting days off and all that stuff. Right, right. <laughs> no, Dre, I, well, I'll close on this. I'll close on this. It's week thirteen. It's Sunday night in Baltimore, and you're up by four. And they fake one way on the read option, and Lamar peels back the other way. Can JJ Watt keep him from getting to the edge? Uh, I, I'd like to see it because I think he's smart enough to stay in his lane and smart enough to figure out what the okay, blocking scheme is. Then pay him his 10 and get him on a fucking flight. There it is. There it is. But because you're right. That's what it comes down to. That's an if. How that's an if. I, and I don't, I don't know that answer. I don't know if he can or not. Well, I don't know if there's anybody on the planet that can. Right. Damn it, I want the best but guys that got We're the presuming that the safety's actually going to cover Marquise Brown this time and not let him run right down the middle of the field wide <laughs> open. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, Grant Delpit. That, that, but, and that's what – all right, here's the other thing. How much do they believe in the guys they brought in here is the real question, Zach. As I, this is the last thing I'll put on this. How much Andrew Barry and crew believe in Delpit, Phillips, uh, the kid they dra- the kid they, dra- they traded for from the Raiders whose contract's up. How much do they believe in those moves is the real question. How much do they believe in their secondary que- secondary coach is the question. How much does this Coach Brown like? How much do they feel their defense they can cover up some of their holes if they have that piece in the front of them? No, and, the and that, those are questions we're not going to know until they get in games because. How much were they handicapped personnel-wise last year by not having Delpit, by being so slow at linebacker, right? By, you right. know, having to shuffle guys in and out, not having the depth. I mean, really the one thing we know is that Miles played both sides for the first time in his career, consistently played both sides, not just on occasion, and picking his matchup and whatever. But what do they really want to do as far as mixing guys there? And, you know, you don't play base defense, but – Against Baltimore, you do. Against most teams, you don't. So what really is your preferred construction in terms of second and eight, third and five? Those plays are going to – I mean, Dre, when you're here, like a few third downs are going to dictate the Browns' season, right? And like a few third downs and fourth downs are going to determine whether you get there or not, right? Like that's how it's going to be. Let me ask you this. Who would you have rather had on third down and 11 – in Kansas City with the backup quarterback plan. Grant Delpit or J.J. Watt? Grant Delpit. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, that's you, you bring up the good one with Jackson and, and what's happening on third and five. 
and he tries to escape the pocket. Yeah. I'd much rather have Miles Garrett and J.J. Watt try to trap him than, you know, Miles Garrett and whomever else. But you're right. What's going on in the back seven? Um, I, you know, if I'm in Kansas City again, how am I? Because that's the question. How am I going to beat? How am I going to beat Mahomes? Like, what will help us beat Mahomes? Well, I just think we watched the Tampa Bay Bucks a week ago beat the crap out of him with their, their front four mm-hmm. being better than the, the, the Chiefs' front five. Um, so is that the way the Browns build it? Of, hey, you know, we'll get a bunch of young guys. The Kansas City Chiefs, the model the Chiefs had, they get after the quarterback with Jones, um, Kenny, like, like both. If you think about the Super Bowl defenses, they both have some high-priced, big-name guys in the front four, right? Tampa and KC, with a lot of youth that a lot of people didn't know in the secondary. It got them to the final game of the season. And we all know it's a copycat league. Um, I think there's always secondary coaches, always defensive coaches that would rather have talent up front or rather, you know, have specimens up front and have speed uh, in the back that they think they can teach. That's just how I've always watched. No, you need a stable. You're going to beat the Ravens and the Chiefs, but specifically the Chiefs, you need a stable of both. You need a stable of defensive backs and a stable of D linemen. Right now, the Browns have neither. Now, they might have at least one here in a few weeks. But right now, as constructed, they have neither. If Delpit comes back healthy and him and Ronnie Harrison start balling and, you know, Greedy's healthy and or another guy comes in there, yes. But right now, you don't have you don't have that, so, so you're not all the way there. So that has to be I, – I totally agree. And, like, look, you know, last year the NFC represent, representative was San Francisco with arguably the best defensive line in the league, right? This year it was Tampa yep. Bay. Shaq Barrett, free agent. JPP. Trade, Vita Vea, first round pick. Like <laughs> you got to invest major go. resources into building that. You do so. In that regard, th- this conversation, Dre has. I will, and we'll get out of here on this thought. This last fifteen minutes has made me shift more to the side of absolutely the Browns should go get JJ Watt. I just am worried about a thirty-two-year-old guy in year eleven holding yeah. up when you're trying to play. No doubt when you know that weeks 12 through 18 are going to be the ones that define your season. No doubt. Let me say this to you on that note. Um, because we never think of it this way, but we should think of it this way. It's easier to keep your job if you're Andrew Barry if you swing and miss on J.J. Watt than if you swing and miss and go outside the box and you miss on a bunch of rookies or some other free agent. Why? Because the owner knows J.J. Watt. Because the radio hosts know J.J. Watt. Because the average fan knows J.J. Watt. And they would all shrug their shoulders and say, damn, we thought that would help us. You go do it. with. And it, that doesn't mean it's the right decision or wrong decision, but it's the way to keep your job because no one will blame them for swinging and missing on J.J. Watt. You know what? That I, I'm glad you said that because I was talking on the phone to my boss this morning. And I said, Carl Lawson is probably like 11 times a better fit for the Browns. Yep. But for our yep. purposes, J.J., J.J., J.J. Right. <laughs> right. And you're right about Lawson. That's a great point. You're right about losses. But as you just said, like it makes if you bring JJ Watt up in front, look, if you do it with Lawson, as we know, half the radio stations don't even know who he is. And they'll be reading out of a book to figure out what it is and reading people's tweets about what makes him good and what makes him bad. You bring in JJ Watt. Every person has an idea or has seen JJ Watt in a commercial. They've seen him catching balls in the crowd with kids before the game. They've seen him score touchdowns here against the Browns. You know, JJ, you know, him giving money back to Houston. You don't lose. I hate to say this. You don't lose the um, the uh, what is it? The first. You don't lose the. Why can't I think of the words? You don't lose the. Uh, people are going nuts right now. You don't lose the press conference. You win the yes. press conference immediately. 
No, so, you're right. You're right. Um, again, like we've said, Andrew Barry, great grades, sharp guy. Browns seem to be in good hands, and that's damn exciting. But, man, the, the, the decisions that define where this thing goes have only begun to even be made, right? So yep. on that note, thank you guys for listening. Uh, thanks for sticking with us. At Akron Jackson, at Jerry Knott, um, we appreciate you guys. We hope you enjoyed another A to Z podcast. Konnichiwa, Andre Drummond. Enjoy that money until they send you to somewhere else to piss people off. <laughs>